Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. To a judge this week. That's why I personally don't think, based on my knowing this attorney general and our covering of him, that he's somebody who would have allowed this to happen in a rash way because he had to know as, that as soon as this happened, it would supercharge a supercharged environment. And in fact, that's what we saw. As soon as President Trump put out confirmation on Monday that the raid had been done and was underway, we immediately started seeing factions on the far right, neo-Nazis, white supremacists, militia organizers, calling for violence as they always have done against Jews. The attorney general is Jewish. Against the FBI. I'm going to stop it right there. Until this guy said it on MSNBC, I didn't know that Merrick Garland was Jewish. I had no clue. It's funny, I never saw him at synagogue. He never once responded to any of my, you know, group chats, Jews interested in politics. I, I mean, I mean, my goodness gracious. All the all the connections Jews have, I no one told me. It's anti-Semitism to note that he might be a partisan. Get the hell out of here. Get out of here with that crazy. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY, that's the number, 833-468-8669. They'll do anything, anything to try and stop you from talking about this raid and about the politics of it. Oh, if you talk about it, you're an anti-Semite. Uh, uh, on behalf of uh, uh, your 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 Jewish friend Tony, and and feel free, feel free to to use me on this one. It is absolutely acceptable uh, to talk about uh, Merrick Garland. You're not an anti-Semite. You're totally fine. You're totally fine. By the way, it's it's Marjorie Taylor Greene who hears that song and says, see, space lasers told you. Oh, too soon? <laughs> Forget about it. Guys, what's going on? Man, they are anything they can throw at you to get you to stop talking. They're all about it. All a about it. Merrick Garland's a problem. The FBI is a problem. The FBI doesn't want to hear they're a problem. Okay, but they are. But they are a problem, and they have done this damage to themselves through their failures, whether it be the Russia conversation, whether it be the kidnapping plot of, of, of Gretchen Whitmer, the, the conversations uh, about that alone. I mean, they set these guys up to try a kidnapping plot that they weren't interested in doing. There was a whole story out about how the FBI decided when there was uh, uh, there were people coming to the Michigan State Capitol, the way to de-escalate was to let armed people into the Capitol. What? Let's. I mean, somebody testified to that yesterday in the in this new trial. It's insane. The FBI has questions they must answer to how they do things and when will they start doing things better. When will they be less partisan and better at what they do? By the way, I'm not making it up about that FBI informant. A a guy by the name of Ken uh, Benzinger 
journalist, as he puts it, reporting on this subject, stating that according to an FBI informant, the Michigan State Police allowed armed protesters into the Capitol in Lansing on April 30th, 2020, at the specific request of the FBI, which wanted to de-escalate the situation. Um, what, what does one do with that information? Except say, my gosh, maybe the FBI has some issues. It's okay to say, don't let anybody tell you otherwise. And don't let anybody throw some anti-Semitism garbage story at you. That's, that's just ridiculous. Primaries are the name of the game today. And don't worry, I'm going to get into all about Trump and these passports and the lies told. Trump claims that the, uh, the, uh, F- the FBI, when they took stuff they shouldn't have, uh, took his passports. And then Nora O'Donnell came out and said, oh, no, they don't have the passports. Trump's lying again. That's what everybody said. Turns out they have the passports. So I'm going to get into that story. But the story here is primaries. Man, Liz Cheney is going to lose by four bajillion percent. Uh, did I say bajillion? I meant bajillion Four bajillion percent she's going to lose. She has got her um, primary today. And at the last look, um, let me let me see if I can get it. She was down um, 29. That's it. 29 points. Is what she was down. That's a that's a true story. I mean that's a that's a gigantic number to be to be down. She's losing of to uh, Harriet Hageman. I think it's pronounced Hageman in Wyoming. And of course she's losing not because of a, a vote on impeachment. That would have been rough. She's losing because she allowed herself, as somebody who had an incredible voting record as a conservative, by the way, don't deny history, she allowed herself to be used as a, as a useful idiot. January 6th committee? Are you, are you, why would you go down this road? Why would you allow yourself to go down this road? You could have been... You know, you could have been somebody talking about, I don't like how Trump did this, I don't like how Trump did that, I don't like how Trump did the other, and still be whipping your party and 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 getting votes done and getting things accomplished and being engaged in the fight. You chose not to. I have to protect my country. You didn't do it. You didn't come close to doing it. And that's why you lost. It's not because you disagree with Trump. I don't think Trump handled January 6th correctly. I don't think Trump sent help in to, to, to help the vice president, and he damn well should have immediately. No time for lunch. Handle the job. That's me. I said so then. I say so now. But you could have done that while not, you know, buying into the incredible clown show. And they don't like you. You're a useful idiot. That's all you are to them. That's all you'll ever be to them. A useful idiot. 
They're not going to stick with you. They don't like you. I mean, it's weird when I'm getting backup from SE Cup, but you know what? I'll Sometimes you take what you can get. Right. What, what, about, what about third party? Oh. <laughs> I mean, perhaps a third party, John, but I don't see a lot of success for third parties in American presidential politics. Also, I mean, her politics are very polarizing. I know that she has become, um, a, you know, a, a friend to Democrats because of her positioning on Trump, but she's very conservative. I don't see um, a natural, you know, voting block for Liz Cheney. She's to the right of me. And, uh, you know, Democrats might like her right now, but as I said earlier, people, people come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And... <laughs> I think she's in Democrats' life right now for a reason. And um, once she's done her job, they'll, they'll remember how darn conservative she is. And maybe this season, uh-huh. but maybe not a lifetime. Definitely not a lifetime. Uh, is Mrs. Palin going to Washington? That's another question altogether. Mrs. Palin is Sarah Palin. And Sarah Palin could very well be going. You have the representative Don Young who passed away, so it's the election to to replace him, or you know, at least on the Republican side. Um, yeah, you could have Congresswoman Sarah Palin, which is gonna be a show. I assume she walks in, uh, and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert have already made the uh, the uh, what 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 do they call that? The not the statue, the. Uh, the effigy for the prayers. The shrine. I was looking for shrine. I mean, because if, if you want to talk about somebody who was uh, pushing uh, the tough from the beginning and taking all the heat, it was Sarah Palin. Never forget, no one took more heat with less backup than Sarah Palin until President Trump and Trump at least got backup. Who was there for Sarah Palin? No one. No one. Bill Maher's calling her four-letter words. Uh, David Letterman's calling her four-letter words. And, and, and her daughter. Everybody's attacking Sarah Palin every which way but loose. Now, Sarah Palin, my view, uh, did something wrong early on. If she wanted to be seen as a serious political player, you can't do the reality show. Now, maybe that's changed now, but certainly then it didn't. And when she started doing the reality shows, I'm like, okay, this is wrong. This is just wrong. Go out there and be a player. This is not the way to do it. And so I believe uh, she hurt herself. But time does heal wounds, and this is Alaska. This is a place that could bring you Sarah Palin and Lisa Murkowski. America is freaking awesome. Will she win? I have absolutely no clue. I don't have the slightest clue on whether she's going to uh, win this thing. She's trying. She's absolutely positively trying. We're going to see what happens. I'll, of course, have uh, the results for you. More to get to. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. Hey. 
Carl, stand by one moment. Get some breaking news from the White House. We mentioned the uh, first couple is coming back from South Carolina this afternoon, Dana. But now we can confirm that the first lady has tested positive for COVID. Mm -hmm. Understandable, since her husband had had COVID, obviously a close contact. It's a highly contagious variant. Uh, she is going to remain in South Carolina at, the, at a private residence. She will return to Washington after she has two consecutive negative tests. So so if she's going to say in South Carolina, who's going to keep Joe Biden from saying silly things or speaking to the press? Who's going to get him his ice cream? We need answers. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? Yeah, Joe Biden has COVID uh, because everyone gets COVID. Because everyone gets COVID. Why are we? What's the issue? The CDC, and I, if you haven't read the Markowitz piece, Too Little, Too Late, it's called. Too Little, Too Late, disband the CDC now. The CDC changed all the guidelines. It was like, eh, go live your life. Wear a mask, don't. Test, don't. Vaccinated, unvaccinated, you're still going to get it. All good. Forget we said anything. Forget we kept you from going to grandma's funeral. Forget that you had to have the holidays alone. All right. Bye-bye. And and then off 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 they go, get themselves a a milkshake. Which, by the way, I don't know why sounds so awesome right now. the The idea of a frosty right now from Wendy's hits me perfect. That is that is that was just a weird little thing that just happened in my belly. Felt good, felt good. Uh, everyone's gonna get COVID. We understand this. We see this. We recognize this. It's not the end of the world because it indeed plays out as a flu. We're aware. We're totally aware. And we're aware that the CDC did not have our best interest at heart. Just didn't. It didn't have the interests of Americans at heart. It didn't have the interests of science at heart. It had the interests of ideology and politics at heart. That's what happened. And that is the way America sees it. This is, you know, the, the FBI conversation, which we're going to get into. Uh, Ed Morrissey from HotAir.com is scheduled to be with us. It, the, the, one of the bigger stories within is, is the total lack of faith in the institutions and the damage that that does. I got to tell you, for the people who are infuriated with the FBI, dig a little deeper with them and get into the idea of how upset they are that they can't trust the FBI. You can't trust these institutions. As much as you are disgusted with the CDC, it's the lack of trust that'll move people more. If you were to poll suburban soccer moms, that's my bet. It's the lack of trust that is so angering. That's so disheartening that that rips at the the soul. Because it does. And this piece from from, uh, Markowitz, you know, discussing all the... um, all the ways that they made these ridiculous, ridiculous changes. And you're like, "We, we knew all this. And yet we had people not only listening to this and demanding this, uh, but we had people losing friendships and relationships and their work. And 
ugly as sin. Ugly as sin. And there will still be people out there who who will tell you that that this is good. That it's it's important. As a matter of fact, we should really consider lockdowns again if if we have a higher positivity rate. Remember positivity rates? Oh, that was the best one. Positivity rates is when I stopped talking about COVID numbers altogether. I had slowed down considerably. But when they started talking about positivity, how many positive cases, even if they were asymptomatic, uh, okay, we're done. Uh, This is unserious jibber-jabber from unserious people who just want to scare you. So now, what do we do? What is it that we do? How do we handle the inability to have faith in the institutions because they took it away from us. It's not because we're political. It's not because we're ideological. They did it. They acted in the political way. They acted in the ideological way. And they took the trust away from us. It's it's like when people talk about they. I do hear it with the Republican Party. I do hear it more with the Democratic Party. I didn't leave the party. The party left me. And I think that right now, you look at the person next to you in their car, they're shaking their head like, yeah, okay, I got that. Or they or they wholeheartedly believe it, like, absolutely, that's what happened. Look, give them a wave. We're all listening. I mean, come on, everybody's listening to this show. That is that is a, a, a heart-wrenching moment, actually. Because you're like, well, am I crazy? And then all of a sudden you realize oh, I ain't crazy. But there are groups and, 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 and media and others that are desperate to make you think you're crazy so you come back to what it is they want because as long as you're there, you're safe. These groups, these agencies, these entities took the trust from us and then demand fealty. How dare you question the FBI? That's violence against the FBI. No, it's not. I oppose violence against the FBI. Questioning what they've done? I'm an American. I do that. If the FBI thinks that's violence, they don't know what violence is, and they're not really strong enough to be members of the FBI. Meanwhile, let's break down some more of what happened in this in this raid. What it is we know now. Was any of this necessary? And why are they why would they even lie about passports in the media? Ed Marcy of HotAir.com is here to break it down. More to get to. Keep it right here. This is Tony Katz today. The raid conversation has been one of political fallout. Getting Trump back into everybody's hearts and minds, creating a martyr syndrome, as Bill Maher put it on real time. Uh, the, the, Trump is back. Well, will DeSantis have to take a back seat? But there's more. There's so much more as this continues to progress. You've got Rich Lowry writing in the pages of the New York Post that it looks like Merrick Garland is looking to, is looking set to indict President Trump on what? Well, we'll find out. But the press has indicted Trump 19 bajillion times. And every time it doesn't work out. And this raid is just another example of fallout of, dear Lord, 
how do you trust these people? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Ed Morrissey joins us right now. He is the capo de tutti capo over at hotair.com and the author of the book Going Red, the two million voters who will elect the next president and how conservatives can win them. Now, this came out in 2016, but it's a very, very interesting look at how the granular level really and truly matters. Going Red, you can find that at Amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. Let's start with at least a, a, a top story, something that you've got at hotair.com. Uh, FBI returns Trump's passports that never appeared on the search inventory. So this is a story about Nora O'Donnell, CBS News, and the explosion that comes from there. Break, walk us through the story and then your take on what it all means. I seem to have lost Ed, which is terrible. We need to get Ed back immediately, if not sooner. The story goes that Donald Trump makes the claim, hey, the FBI in this uh, in this raid uh, took, my, uh, took my passport. Now, it turns out Trump has three passports. Two are expired, and one is a diplomatic passport. That's why he has three passports. I didn't know that. I had to, I had to read that story. So Trump says, hey, these people took my passports. Well, if they took your passports, uh, the question, of course, is why? Why did they take your passports? What reason would they take your passports? Ed Morrissey is back with us from hotair.com. So the question was, why were the passports taken? How come they're not on any inventory list? And why was Nora O'Donnell saying that the FBI never had them when they did? It's great. Those are great questions. We're not going to get the answers to them right away, I would imagine, Tony, but they are great questions. You know, the Department of Justice was leaking out yesterday that they didn't have these passports. And this was five hours after Donald Trump had gone public with this. Um, there's a there's another thread out there today saying, well, the reason why Trump complained about it is because the Department of Justice notified him that they did have it. But they were leaking to Nora O'Donnell over at CBS late in the afternoon yesterday that they didn't have them. And so this was a reversal on this. And, I mean, we're talking about a week after the raid, right? And there's no reason to take somebody's passports, none whatsoever, um, unless a court has ruled that somebody has to have their passports seized in order to keep them from traveling overseas. But that's a bail issue, and Trump hasn't been charged with anything. So, you know, clearly this was either sloppy work or there was something else going on here. And the fact that those passports didn't show up on a, on the inventory is 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 another questionable um, development here because that is that is something that is very unique and would have been readily apparent not to be a you know a secret document or a classified document um, in this search warrant that was supposedly targeted at, at that stuff. This is part of the total lack of faith. In the institutions, we, uh, we were talking earlier about the lack of faith in the CDC and the lack of faith right. now in the FBI, just going back to how they handled Russia, Russia, Russia. They create the lack of faith 
And then it is people like Merrick Garland who state, how dare you have a lack of faith in the FBI? How dare you even talk about them? I'm not talking about threats, just just general disagreement. You've got Representative, not Representative, Senator Amy Klobuchar, your senator, saying, you know, I, I thought Republicans uh, backed uh, the blue. So the, the fallout conversation goes to how you want to manipulate what is being said. How is this argument of somehow Republicans are stoking violence, creating violence, and don't support law enforcement? How, as you see it, is that playing out in America? Well, I don't think it's playing out well, but I do have to uh, raise a point of order. Uh, my, my senators are Ted Cruz and John Cornyn. I now hail from the great state of Texas, pal. <laughs> oh, I didn't know. I didn't know you left Minnesota and left it all behind. I did. I, did. Wow. I left it all behind about a year ago, about 13 months ago. So I no longer have to claim ownership of Amy Klobuchar as, as my senator. Uh, but your point is still well taken, of course. I'm just, you know, we're just having some fun here. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is part of the the attempt to silence critics, right, is, I mean, this isn't, I mean, this isn't like a, uh, like you would see in a dictatorship, but it's a, it's a way to sort of, uh, to sort of bully critics into shutting up by, by claiming that a criticism of the FBI means that you're on the side of the, uh, you know, the, the screwballs who call in stupid threats uh, to the FBI. It's a, it's a dumb argument, and especially in a free society, we should be uh, allowed and nay, perhaps even encouraged to question our government's actions, especially when they don't line up with uh, what it is that they're talking about, right? Why would you seize passports when you're looking for the documents uh, that Trump is holding and you know exactly where those documents are located? Why was the search warrant so broad if this was, in fact, just a means to tra- to trawl back those documents that were in dispute with the National Archives and, you know, on the basis of classification. Look, I'm a, I'm a former defense worker. I greatly respect the need to protect classified information. also know that some of it's overclassified, but, I mean, that's, that's a different issue. We need to protect that. But the Department of Justice set a very weird standard about this six years ago with Hillary Clinton, where you had to show all of a sudden it wasn't enough to show that they'd mishandled uh, classified information, and in Hillary Clinton's case, had it on a server that was actively transmitting it back and forth um, through this email uh, system that she had set up, so she didn't have to have accountability through the State Department's official email system. Um, so that standard should be applied to Trump as well. You know, maybe get the documents back, and, and if that's the case, then just end it there. But they went further than that. They were taking stuff out of other areas that they knew the documents weren't in, including passports. And it's just it's a it's a demonstration of that there's something else clearly going on, and the Department of Justice is not being honest about what it is that they're doing here. You point out over at Hot Air, talking to Ed Morrissey at HotAir.com, that both Dershowitz, uh, Alan Dershowitz, and David French, who is a Never Trumper's Never Trumper, uh, agree that Garland has to apply the Hillary rule uh, to to Trump. But as Rich Lowry points out, that Merrick Garland is looking to set is looking set to indict a Trump. So we might see more action uh, uh, on this from uh, the, this raid, even though, as you you said, and 
you and I agree, this warrant is outrageously broad. Andy McCarthy has said uh, the, the, the same thing and certainly seems to fly in the face of the Fourth Amendment to discuss the actual items being seized, never mind a totality of, of the places being searched. But the other part of this fallout, there's political fallout, where Republicans are, where Democrats are. I argue that Republicans are in the place where uh, a lot of them feel reinvigorated and clearly they're after Trump. We can't let this stand. And Trump may very well announce again if he wasn't already and may have cleared a lot of people out of the field with what has happened here. Democrats clearly know that this was a bad political Move. They never would have signed off on it. They never would have been okay with it. This was, as timing goes, horrific. But the other story is the media story. Where is the media fallout on this? Because while I have the usual suspects, whether it be an Eric Swalwell, uh, an Amy Klobuchar, a, a, an, an Adam Pentelneck uh, Schiff, uh, who are all engaged in the same conversations, I'm not hearing the totality of leftist news say oh my gosh trump is clearly guilty it is specific key players who this is their business i don't get the same feel that everybody's on the same page because they know how politically fraught this is your take yeah i think that there is um i i think that there's been a a a kind of a schizophrenic reaction by the media right which is one is that well you know we should trust the fbi which doesn't <laughs> which flies in the face of all their other you know previous positions on uh, on law enforcement but also um that they they want to i think they've gotten burned before by saying this is it this is the thing that's really going to kill trump right um you know kill trump's political career um and it's never panned out for them before either so there's maybe a little desperation here to play this up more than it is. I don't know that this actually was anything more than just an attempt to get the documents back, right? Just to find an excuse to, to go in there, just grab it all back and hand it to the National Archives. Maybe that's as far as this goes. I actually think that trying to get a, um, an indictment now is going to be extremely problematic for the Department of Justice after the way that this has blown up in their face. And that um, they may be tempted to just say, you know what? Um, we're just going to, you know, we're just going to uh, take the loss, you know, quit while, while we're behind and go home. But um, yeah, the media part of this is um, it's it's a little hard to read, right? It's just you, you see them sort of struggling with the idea that uh, you, you just have this really broad warrant and it doesn't. You know, it doesn't have a whole lot of connection to this. And I think they're struggling to understand it and and, and more or less to excuse it. And there's just the only option they have is to just uh, make it into a Republican's pounce story, which is really what most of the media is doing now, just a Republican pounce story. And a Republican pounce story is that anytime Republicans have a response, it's uh, and, and and it goes big. They're pouncing. They're seizing on the moment. It's it's never somehow just a normal reaction and and response to something radical that's happened and people engaged in dialogue. It's always Republicans pounce or 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 whatever else the case may be, whatever word they want to use to show that it's problematic. Talking to Ed Morrissey of HotAir.com. The political playout, of course, is that Trump is reinvigorated. But I am not one of the people who believes that DeSantis is simply going to walk to the side. You have the story 
of some new Florida polling that puts DeSantis up amongst Hispanics. Does this seem like a guy in the levels that he's trending that if Trump were to run, he would somehow sit it out and not learn the lesson of, let's say, Chris Christie in 2012? Yeah, no, there's no way that that DeSantis can sit this one out. You know, he's got to do it this time. He's in his second term. He will be in his second term. According to this poll, by the way, DeSantis is up 20 points among Hispanics. There are people who are questioning some of the provenances of this poll, but clearly DeSantis is doing really well among Hispanics, even in comparison to Rick Scott and Marco Rubio. He's doing better among Hispanics. So those are, the, uh, you know, it's, it's clear that there's definitely a trend that's going on for him. He can't afford to, to skip 2024. And by 2028, he will have been out of office for two years and really yesterday's news. Now, he's a pretty young guy, so it's not a, a term of age. But this is, this is when the iron is hot, so this is when you strike. And he is really cresting. He's, uh, I'm not sure you can even say cresting or even peaking, but he, his momentum keeps building, keeps building, keeps building, and his national profile keeps expanding into all sorts of different areas. Now, you know, the anti-woke fight, uh, the law and order fight. He's got all sorts of these types of things going on. The, the, the immigration fight, um, he's got that going on. So he really needs to run in, 20, in the 2024 cycle, and I don't see this, um, I, I don't see this as being a... Um, uh, 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 an opportunity for him to run for vice president either. This is a guy right. who's going to run for the top job or not at all. Before I let you go, um, uh, CPAC, Conservative Political Action Conference, I go to the one that takes place in D.C. Uh, there's also one that takes place in Texas. It just took place there right. in the Dallas area. And the straw poll comes out. Oh, the vaunted CPAC straw poll, because that's never wrong. And it shows uh, that, the, that the, the vast majority of people want Trump uh, to run for, for, for re-election, or they want Trump in, that that's the guy they're going to vote for. I don't believe that's true. I believe it's DeSantis. It could be a Pompeo. It could be an Abbott, but it's clearly uh, DeSantis. And it is, give me a fighter, but don't give me Trump. Is the straw poll right, or am I right? No, I think you're right. And and, I mean, look, as much as I like CPAC, and I do like CPAC, I wasn't able to go to it this year in in either place, but um, those those straw polls are always about who's bringing organizers to these uh, things. I mean, Ron Paul won at least a couple of years. Rand Paul won at least a couple of years, neither one of whom came within even... You know, uh, you know, a telescope eye shot of winning a nomination. I mean, just, I mean, it just doesn't. It, it, it's, it's not predictive. It is interesting. It's always fun to be there and to take part in those things. But it's, a, it's about ground organization at CPAC, which is not necessarily something that you want to sneeze at because that matters in, in primary fights. But yeah, this is just, uh, this, it's just brand recognition, I think, at this, at this CPAC. And look, I mean, it's 2022. Nobody's really that focused on the presidential election right now. They're focusing on the midterms. You know, when you get into CPAC 2023, when people are really starting to organize for, for specific candidates, maybe it'll be a little bit more interesting to see how the, um, how those types of things play out. But I, I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock into what the outcome was this time. Ed Morrissey is his name. The book Going Red, you can get that at Amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. Ed Morrissey, Going Red, the two million voters who will elect the next president and how conservatives can win them and find his work at HotAir.com. Always a pleasure, Ed. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. 
The Dow's up 242. The NASDAQ is down 28. Walmart and Home Depot giving results, making people happy. And then there's the other side of the coin where home builders are saying very clearly it's a housing recession. I mean, I'm not making this up. They're saying the way it is. The National Association of Home Builders, Wells Fargo Housing Market Index, fell for the eighth consecutive month, marking the worst stretch for the housing market since the 2008 financial crisis. Anything above 50 is considered positive. It's now at 49. It was at 80. And it peaked at a 35-year high of 90 in November of 2020. But it was record low interest rates. And everybody was like, yep, we got we got to get out of the city. We need a house. You're going to get COVID in the city. Run! And now people are like, oh, my gosh, we live in the country. We can't do this. Where's the city? I mean, that is happening a lot. Does that mean housing collapse is coming? I mean, a 30-year fix is 5.22. It was up to the 5.8. I I wouldn't be able to say such a thing. I, I, I don't know. But just like everybody else, I'm watching. This is Tony Katz today.